Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as a new teacher. Well, we've got a special guest today because I'm talking to Paul Sully, inspirational head teacher at Beehive Lane Primary School, which has just been judged by Ofsted as an outstanding school for the second time in a row. Now today, Paul's gonna tell us why Beehive Lane is such a good school at developing children as learners, because that's the secret. You'll realize that when Paul talks, the secret to becoming an outstanding school is to make sure the children love it and they learn loads. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Well, Paul will make it sound even easier but you will have to work hard. Paul, welcome. How lovely to speak to you. Hello, lovely lovely to talk to you, Jeremy. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, first of all, <laughs> congratulations. I was never one who was, was terribly determined to have my school judged as outstanding. I just wanted them to be very good, although aren't they sort of the same things? But I wasn't very good at Ofsted as a head teacher. Now, you're clearly an expert, and yet I know the Ofsted for you is something that just comes along and when they come along you say this is what we're doing and it's brilliant isn't it rather than worrying particularly what it says in the framework so what is it what is it about Beehive Lane that that clearly is so special well I think the first main point is none, none of education for children is for Ofsted they're just hooray they're, they're people that come along and uh, and whatever the government says, it's developmental. No, it isn't. It's a judgment. It's a judgment on a particular couple of days, uh, looking at a lot of evidence. And they've got a job to do of public accountability. Yes, it's got a place, but that's nothing to do with really why you do what you do. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with some of the contents of things they look at. I think there's some very good points of what they should be looking at in there, but you do it for the children. It's a relentless focus on teaching and learning for the children and there's an awful lot of other stuff that gets in the way but that's got to be the number one uh, priority so that's that's purely what we focus on uh here yeah, so how, how do you get that over to your teachers because lots of teachers you know i go into lots of schools and teachers are quite anxious that ofsted will be turning up yeah. anytime soon and heads are even more anxious generally and yet oh, yeah yet whenever i you. see you hey man you know you're pretty laid back we have a cup of tea <laughs> We talk about a few things to do with education. And I, I will share this with the listeners. When, when I spoke to the HMI in your, uh, in your inspection recently, she said to me, the school's a bit scruffy, isn't it, Jeremy? <laughs> and I said, I said, well, the learning's not scruffy, though, is it? And that's what you're here to look at, aren't you? And she said, yes, but the board outside looks a bit tired. I said, yeah, are you inspecting the board or are you inspecting what's happening in children's brains? And she said, well, no, of course I'm inspecting what goes on in their brains, Jeremy. I said, well, that's good. So I said, you should see the head teacher's office if you want to see Scruffy. I said, he yeah. might have tidied it up a bit for you, but... I'll well, I, I have, but so. it still got commented on. There was a... <laughs> yeah. That there was not an appreciation of my Ipswich Town UEFA Cup calendar for a start. What? Um, yeah, outrageous. Yeah, so. I, I'm surprised you let her back in for day yeah. two. I think with the yeah, the, sometimes there is a bit of stuff lying around in classrooms, but I, I suppose 
I, I would say immediately that uh, it's because of independent learning of the children. They select resources themselves. They get up and they go and uh, get what they need for the lesson in terms of pictures, the sources, uh, maps, resources, and they're encouraged to do so. And yes, it does end up messy at the end of the day, but it's not a front room or a showroom, is it? It's a, it's a classroom as long as they take responsibility and uh, you know look after everything and clear up at the end of the day. So yes, it, it can be a bit chaotic, but um, that doesn't mean there's not good learning going on, hopefully. Um, I think the way we look at things is sort of, and, and especially for new teachers, it's really hard because everybody is rightfully terrified of the regime of Ofsted, but I think, I suppose there's five main things for um, good teaching and learning really that we try and focus on. The first, is make sure that the assessment for learning is brilliant. Uh, know exactly where all your children are in your class, uh, what stage of learning they're at, and exactly what they need to do next. Um, if you know that, you can then plan sort of a mastery approach with very small steps in learning, uh, exciting, curious, different ways into lessons. Um, but then that leads nicely into the uh, second thing, which is clarity. Know exactly what the children are learning for that session by the end of the day, by the end of the week in that unit of work. So that is really important. So you have a very uh, cogent sequence of lessons planned out, tailored to the needs of the children. Don't worry, it's week three, lesson eight, or whatever it is on your plan. If they haven't got the underpinning skills for that lesson, because you know they haven't from that assessment for learning, look at that and teach that. Have a really good clarity of learning. Maybe preempt what the misconceptions are. The third thing really is high expectations of all of the children, that means every single child. There's nothing worse than hearing someone, oh, I don't think that table, that child can do this, that. No, everybody can have a go. Everybody should try the objective. And it's up to the person at the front with the high expectations. The children will take their lead from them. Um, and if they manage to break that down into small steps, uh, different ways into the learning, uh, maybe with a bit of pre-teaching, clever questioning, uh, really effective use of adult support. So I think the third thing, that high expectations that every single child will get there. They might not be brilliant at reading and writing. They might be a fantastic scientist, artist, designer. They might not be brilliant at recording things, but they might be an incredible uh, problem solver, mathematician. So all of the children can succeed. And if you feel they're not for any reason, then it's our job to make sure that they can succeed. So we need to do something different or more of it or in a different way. So that's, that's such a refreshing point, isn't it? that every child can achieve and excel to their potential. Because I still go around loads of schools and you see this old hat differentiated work and you think, well, you've just denied those children who are given, let's call it the easy work, if you like. I don't know how, quite how you define it because I, I never used three right. levels of work as a teacher myself. I never understood when people used to say to me, how do you differentiate? I'd say, well, I just match the learning to what the children need for their next step. So yeah. I don't have, so I said, so I have 30 levels of differentiation, if you like, mm. but I have one piece of work and they work on it and in it at the point that's most appropriate. So we don't have lots of different levels of work. We have one piece of work and it's got potential to extend and challenge the most able whilst making sure that those children who might be called lower attaining still excel. Yeah, because the only the only person who's put a glass is putting a ceiling on their learning will be the adults in the room. Children yeah. don't impose their own glass ceilings or limits. They, if you tell them the sky's the limit, you know that they'll just believe you and go for it. Yeah. yeah. Why do they believe you though, Paul? What is it that your staff do? that actually get those children to believe that when the teacher tells me that, 
I actually think they're right. I think celebrating success, it's, um, it's leads almost into the fourth point of really uh, skillful feedback in the moment. That's, that's the, the really, really crucial to feedback, to correct misconceptions as you go and actually by questioning and, and uh, supporting scaffolding the children, but then also uh, moving them onto that next level so they can all taste success. You, you can't have a self-esteem happy group session it's all about achievement children get self-esteem and feel good about themselves about achieving and i don't just mean writing a report or solving a fraction problem i mean singing a song um saying a line in a play for the first time um giving a presentation um making part of the class assembly uh, whatever it is that they do um uh, through being facilitated to do so is is massive for them and that it's it's their sense of achievement, which then they get that self-belief. So that's what you... Yeah. Oh, blimey. I never had stickers. I never had certificates. I never had any of those sorts of things mm. as a teacher because the children's, exactly what you said, the children's self-esteem came from just being excited about what they were learning mm. and then achieving great things with it. And, yeah. and, and then you said, wow, I'm so proud of you. I've just said those very words to my daughter. She's just started a new job. She had her three-month probation chat this afternoon. They said, we think you're awesome. Your team love you. And although there's things that, you know, we all have when we have reviews that she could do better, mm. basically the message was, God, blimey, you're doing brilliantly and we love it. And, <laughs> and that was oh, and two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago, she said to me, Dad, did you ever have, have imposter syndrome? I said, yeah, only for 40 years, though, darling, so not for long. <laughs> yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said, because I've got it now in my work. She said, my three-month review is coming up. Mm. The transition has been moderately challenging because transitions always are in it when you go into a new company, which is highly established and everyone knows what they're doing and you're learning a new mm. job, mm. even oh, though yes. it's in your area of expertise, you know. Two of her clients are Manchester United and Liverpool. Ooh, so, ooh. you know, so she's going in at, at quite a pressurised level to keep yeah. her clients happy as well as, and Cadbury is their main client for their company. So she's ooh. got quite big partners to, to keep her... happy, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, but they'll tell you, darling, won't they, if they're unhappy with your work? And they'll mm. tell you what you've got to do to improve. They're not looking to, to get rid of you. They've just employed you. They want you to be a success. Anyway, yeah, she's just yeah. had this review and and done very well. So she's now feeling very proud of herself, as she rightly should. And, and I said to her, you know, I'm so proud of you. You've worked hard. I didn't offer to buy her a new pair of shoes or to <laughs> take her out to dinner. I just yeah. said, I'm very proud of you because you've worked really hard to to make your new job a success. And so and, far, and that's you the same. Yeah, that's the same as children. Adults are just big children, aren't they? We all need uh, to, totally. We all need to do well and taste success, which which is fantastic. Yeah. And on the other sort of moving on from that in a way is that um, the children have got to have time to actually apply their knowledge and skills as well, the same as adults have as well, and actually um, allowed to fail, get it wrong, no problem. Um, mm. it, it's, it, it is that positive mindset thing of, um, you know, developing a really positive learning attitude. And we're not actually interested in the right answer. We're interested in getting better at things. I think that's the most important thing for the children. Uh, but adults as well, like, you know, the daughter or anyone else in their job is about improvement all the time. Um, and is that and a actually, culture you, you is that a culture you emphasise in your school with your staff? 
Yeah, everybody, adults, you know, that we're all children. looking to improve, and that applies to to you as the head. And yeah, all rewards for anyone is on effort, purely effort. It's not necessarily attainment at all. Yeah, um, that's irrelevant. It's about how how hard they how hard they try. Um, and I think that's what actually you know these small tastes of success, and that's what actually breeds the skills of resilience. You can't have a resilience workshop or something. It's um, no. it's. Uh, celebrate and getting things wrong oh okay that didn't work what what went wrong what can we do better next time and actually breathing those sort of um you know those really important traits for life of resilience determination sticking at me i being committed but aiming high at the same time having no limits to your learning i think and it's fine to get things wrong that's absolutely fine and that's adults as well because they might try innovative lessons or activities it doesn't quite work uh, so what um, i bet there was a bit in there that did work or exactly uh, that's yeah. that's that's the point, isn't it? You mm. people say you're very brave to do that. I saw a lesson, crikey, it was it was a great lesson. Last week I saw a lesson. The children were exploring sound vibrations by using a tuning fork vibrated mm. into different viscosity liquids. Ooh, oh right. my goodness. So in the classroom, <laughs> there were endless pots with washing up liquid, oil, tomato ketchup. Mm. Fanta, you name it, they had it in the classroom <laughs> and loads of tuning forks and children all said, because the teacher used a lovely video, you know, of a pebble dropping in a pool and seeing all mm. those ripples go out. And she said, that's a nice representation of how sound travels because it comes out of our mouth and it hits all the molecules. You know, this was a year five class and it goes out all around and children said whoa we so we're going to see these ripples going through the tomato ketchup when we put the uh, <laughs> tuning fork in and going through the washing up liquid and going through we're just going to see ripple after ripple this is so exciting and the teacher said what we're going to see you know and they said when it goes through the tomato ketchup it'll hold the ripples because it's much more viscous and we'll see all this anyway guess what happened they put the tuning fork in of course absolutely nothing visible <laughs> yeah and the children were so flummoxed but the teacher who was a trainee teacher oh, i mean she taught a great lesson but uh, and she wasn't flummoxed at all she said so how do we explain that then how do we explain that then because we know the tuning forks vibrating because we can feel it when we tap it and mm. put it up against our cheek we can feel it vibrating so what's going on then I said, we don't know. And she said, no, I don't know either. So how else can we see if there's any vibrations? Anyway, so then they started putting their hand underneath the pot and that sort of thing, you know, and putting the pot against their ear mm -hmm. to see if they could hear sounds and, and truly exploring, truly exploring scientifically because they had enough subject knowledge to know what might happen. Um, but it didn't work at all well in terms of what the expected outcome was. But crikey, they learned so much. By yeah. it not working. And that's exactly what you've just said, isn't it? Yeah, you might learn 17 other things that you never intended in the first place. Well, that, that, that's great. That's absolutely fine. I think one of the most important things as well for learning for, and then moving on from children learning is the adults learning. Well, the best thing is to go and watch each other yeah. and other practitioners as well. So the children love watching each other and talking about what they found out and assessing each other, I think. Um, and, and adults are just the same. Just like the children, they had saw things that they didn't expect or went wrong. Well, chat through, have a coaching partner, mentoring. Um, but one of your colleagues, it's not a sort of top-down done to your system. It's a development system. I mean, you have to do a certain amount of, um, you know, you don't go around grading 
grading staff lessons anymore and rightfully so you go around looking for strengths and areas of development so all the observation is to do with um you know these are the strengths and what are the next points of development and normally that if the teacher becomes evaluative and really skilled they'll tell you so just like the children really. so, uh, that's probably and that's exactly what you want isn't it mm. you want you want them to be saying to you that bit didn't work and then whoever the the partner is you say so why is that then because actually most teachers have most of the answers don't they it's not that they don't have the answers i said this to a trainee only today i said if they don't know you tell them but if they do know just bounce the question back to them Mm. because if you're saying actually you can answer this but you got think quite hard i.e join up all those fragmented bits (laughs) of knowledge you've got into one cohesive bit of knowledge that's what you're going to say, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what we want for teachers, don't we? We just want them to be reflective practitioners because then they get better very quickly. Yeah, and the more, um, the higher, you know, the highly, more, most highly effective outstanding teachers are probably the most, um, I say, self-critical, not self-critical, but self-evaluative. And uh, well, it probably is self-critical, really, of what they could do different, better, or uh, make it even better next time, which is, you know, and that... I think that's also something for less experienced people to watch and look how they sort of analyse their own lessons, really. But actually watching others is a is a fantastic source of learning. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and, and question, 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 isn't it? Mm, Why yeah. do you do that? I teach model lessons for trainee mm. teachers, and I say to them, just ask me anything about it. Ask me anything. Make any comment you like, because this is a learning opportunity. Don't think you will ever see a lesson that is so good it can't be improved because mm. it, it's impossible to make it so good for every child that it couldn't be improved. It mm. will just be a good lesson and everyone's got a lot out of it. Mm. But, but there'll be endless things that you could improve. And that it's that attitude, isn't it, that we need. We need it in our children. I had someone on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she said, before you show your work to me, Ask yourself, am I proud of this? Wow, Mm, what a simple phrase to use, but how powerful is that? Because Mm. once once children start being authentic, which children usually are unless they're worried about what you're going to (laughs) say, but but like you've said, if no one cares if you make a mistake, they just care if you're going to learn something off it. Yeah. Then, uh, Then asking children to reflect on their work is massively powerful, isn't it? Is that as good as last week's? Mm. Do, do you think you could have done anything better there? Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's hugely, hugely, hugely important. And, uh, you know, look, it's quite a um, weight of responsibility as, as the adult in the room. You've got to teach 13 different subjects. And uh, I think um, never assume that you're going to be the best in it. And someone that you can always find someone else who's better at teaching a particular subject than you. So go and ask them, uh, learn from them, watch them, ask them questions, say, how did you do that? Um, I mean, it's, uh, also, if you're in a senior position, don't think for one moment you're you're the font of all knowledge and actually uh, no. a better teacher than most people, because I'm certainly not. There's uh, people who teach to a most incredible standard that I learn from every single day. Um, and, and it's about organising the right people sometimes to see, go and see the other right people who they need to see and have the conversations with the correct people they need to have conversations with, uh, linking the correct coaching and mentoring partners um if people are highly effective coaching is a very very uh, good model to use with the adults um and then children uh they do peer coaching 
Um, if they are probably struggling in something and it's support, then you move more towards a mentoring model and you can do that with children and adults as well, where you've got more of an expert actually helping the person who's not quite so confident. So you have to make that judgment that within your own building, there'll be the most amazing expertise that you can um, tap into and develop your staff. Um, but then looking outside, working with your local partnership schools as well, um, you know, being open to working in um, and uh, with your local consortiums and things and going around different schools to see things done differently. Um, there's the most amazing well of experience. Even if you see something, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. Well, you've learned something that day, haven't you? Absolutely. So, uh, Just that whole yeah. reflective process is, is yeah. where the power lies, isn't it? So, so if you were saying to a new teacher someone with mm. not much experience about going to find others? Would this be a, a real absolute necessity if you want to improve your teaching as much as you can, as quickly as you can? Yes, it's, most, it's the best thing they can do, I think. Um, and I think with effective coaching and mentoring, they might need some help of what exactly they're looking for, perhaps. Um, but I don't even think you've got to worry about that at first. I think if you think, um, right, let's develop some English teaching here, um, right, go and watch these three lessons, one maybe early years or year one, one perhaps in mid-school, three, four, one in five, six. Um, come back and tell me what you've seen. What, what, was, what do you think the best pieces of learning were? What do you think the most inspirational? Which particular children do you think learned really well? What did you learn from it? And leave it really, really open. Mm -hmm. um, just start a discussion really and see what they've seen and picked up on um but focus on how well the children learn all the time not necessarily what the teacher's doing um because all teachers are different they've got different personalities and yeah. and, and we want that don't we and, oh, and i've seen yeah. that i've seen that endlessly in your school mm. that, that your Very teachers yeah. are, are vastly different and yet they get very similar outcomes and yeah and as a and it ain't the way the children leave. Hopefully, it's in a bit of a bit of everything in life. Um, Absolutely, that's what strangely. we want, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, all totally different personalities, ways in, sort of uh, certain voices, um, extroverts, introverts. Fantastic, but they're all good. You know, they've all got something to offer. So uh, that, that's well, great. They, they all want those those children to do the very best they can. Yes, and that's because because really. you can't be a good teacher, can you? And unless in your heart you passionately want children to do really well. Can you be a good primary teacher without that? No, because that's the only thing that matters. All the rest is wind, isn't it? It's all... It's Yay, all nice. All yeah. the rest is wind. <laughs> yeah, it's, load of, it's, it's just rubbish, isn't it? Um, you know, extraneous judgments. I mean, we expect... I know it's really hard for people to expect to be uh, medics, social workers, um, counsellors, family support. Well, the A1 focus is every single child I think the main thing here is that the children, every child gets one go, so it's got to be the best one, and that's it, and, and that's as simple as that. They get one chance uh, teaching and learning, and then it's gone. So it has to be the absolute best one possible for everybody, and, and no one must move on thinking, oh, oh, we could have done a bit more for them. Um, oh, we, um, they, they're going to succeed at different levels. They're going to have different you know, grades, if you like, of achievement, but actually we don't want anybody leaving who thought, Oh, they just sort of bit carpet coloured, weren't they? Just sort of a pass through <laughs> the building, and no one really noticed. Um, oh, I, I think, think actually, you know, they've got they've got all these talents and ideas, and no one really noticed. They're a bit quiet. They said, "Oh, they're ever so good, aren't they?" Well, 
no, their learning behavior is not good because you haven't found out, you haven't stimulated their, mm. their interest, you haven't really driven them forward. So, it, And that's a real strength of your school, isn't it? Because I know the inspector, one of the things the inspector said to me quite a lot was, tell me about the, the range of speaking and listening opportunities they have, Jeremy. <coughs> And I said, well, they have from the most obvious ones where they're sitting in the classroom talking to their peers, because I know you you strongly believe, don't you, that children benefit from talking to each other about their learning. Oh, yes. um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and through a whole range of, of different speaking and listening things. So let, let's just do that, because this is a real bugbear of mine that I often see question-answer sessions where the teacher asks a question, the children put their hands up. And many children don't put their hands up. And so sometimes they get asked and they say, oh, I can't remember or I'm not sure, i.e. nothing's happened to move their learning forward whatsoever. Have you seen, sorry, I'm going to go off at a bit of a tangent here, but have you seen this, do you want to phone a friend? Have you heard of that one? Oh, Do you, do you want to, so, so you get asked a question, the child doesn't know the answer. So right. the teacher, rather than the scaffolding that child to help mm. them, develop their thinking and join their ideas together into something coherent says do you want to phone a friend i.e do you want to not bother answering the question and oh. get someone to answer it for you oh no and no, so they, no. i've seen that no. quite a lot fortunately i've seen it a bit less since lockdown i'm hoping it's going to die a death very fast because because yeah. it is the most shocking idea so you leave a child saying i'm too thick I couldn't think of an answer, so I had to mm. ask my mate, who is the one who always answers questions in class, and he gave the answer. Now, I don't know if teachers think that by someone else giving the answer, somehow that magically transforms itself into the child's brain and they make full sense of the piece of information they've been given. No, they still, they've, they've still learned flat nothing, haven't they? Absolutely, <laughs> haven't they? Yeah. No, I think from the very word go, from a very young age, everybody's expected to contribute, um, hands up or no hands up, ask the child with their hands up and make, and they're expected to try and give an answer. And we celebrate it the same if it's wrong, right, indifferent, half right, um, complete, completely bonkers. It doesn't, it doesn't matter really. Um, but then you can scaffold, question, uh, put in small mm. steps. Um, you can uh, facilitate and help the less confident children by having a more confident talk partner with them to develop ideas together, and then the less confident one can feed back the ideas. Um, you de develop their personal skills, um, the poetry, story uh, telling competitions, um, uh, speech giving, and all of the children take part. There's an expectation that everyone takes part to the immediate despair of parents. They can't possibly do that. That will be impossible. That's ludicrous. And everybody, sure enough, everybody does give a speech or says a poem or makes a story up, does the storytelling. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, class assemblies, performances, singing, uh, drama, all of those things to build their confidence. I mean, I didn't have any confidence when I was at primary school. I was stuck up the corner doing you know, in the corner of the choir when the show was on, there's, there's absolutely no chance I would have been uh, exposed singing no. and any lines, but kind of drives you on to be determined that you don't miss anybody. And, and Yeah, you know, that, 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 uh, that's such a... I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but I'm just going to come back to that again. Don't miss anybody. Don't no. be pleased because a child sits there quietly, so you might have a moderately tricky class to teach with some lively people who take, understandably, a bit more time. Mm. But don't miss the child who's sitting there quietly, seems to be working hard, 
but actually maybe performing well below what they're capable of because no one has bothered to really find out what the way to get them to learn really well. And, and like you said earlier, and this is so important, that they may not be the best writer in the class, but they're the best technologist. Have you ever seen these things they design mm. at home, which are just brilliant? Yeah. And do we ever say, Dave is the one with this fantastic, let's look at the things he's done at home. Now he's going to teach us how to do it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, Could be the best singer, the best scientist, the best gardener, the best... Uh... Uh, construction uh, work. It could be, it could be so many different things, and that's so important about the carpet. I mean, we've got blue carpets. We don't have any blue children. They're not freezing to death. But it's, it's, it's the one. They will be in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Can't afford the heat. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's that that quiet and uh, obscurity. They're, they're not good things. They're not good things. I mean, no. We've we've sometimes found that the, the. I mean, I found to my own. You know, earlier in career, sort of made the mistake of thinking a very quiet girl. Thought, oh, I'm not quite sure how I'll cast her in the play. Years ago, well, she ended up being um, a couple of years later. She was the lead in Dick Whittington singing, dancing, and because wow. because she could be something else on stage. Mm. And I'd missed that, and that that was really terrible. Thank goodness we picked it up towards the end of a school career, but that gave me a bit of a kick, thinking, well, you've, you've got this wrong, haven't you? And But we all do, don't we? When we're oh, young. absolutely, yeah. And there's nothing when wrong we're young it. and inexperienced yeah. or old mm. and inexperienced, yeah. And actually, sometimes you're just relieved, yeah. aren't you, that they sit there and get on with their work. And, yeah, that's And then nice, you get yeah. to parents' <laughs> evening, don't you? Yeah. I said this the other day. Uh, I used to get to parents' evening, and the parents used to say, you know my child better than I do. Mm. And I'd say, well, I don't, but I know them as learners better than you do. Yeah. And and and, and they said they used to say, no, you do know you don't know them better than I do. And I'd and say, well, you, you might that, have higher expectations in belief in their learning ability than the parents as well for the very quiet. Yeah, totally. Who, I took who, uh, over. I took over a school, bottom five percent. It was the last headship I did. I thought might as well have something interesting to do before <laughs> I retire. And expectation basically was the issue in the whole school. Mm -hmm. I did a staff meeting. First staff meeting I did, I said, I'm, I'm a bit worried about the standards. Why do you think our standards are so low? And mm. one of the teachers, who was a great teacher, ultimately, but she said, that's all the children can do. I said, I'm so pleased you've said that. That's made <laughs> this, this made this transformation so much easier because... <laughs> The only thing I want you to do now is to say, I think they can do a bit more. So mm. whenever a child gives you a bit of work, just give them an idea and say, I think you can do a bit more. Try that <laughs> idea. I said, that's all I want you to do. And uh, God, blimey, the school was transformed. Although I had a parent after a week come in and say, my child used to love school and now she hates it. And it's your oh. fault. And oh, I said, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I said, I don't think she'll hate it for long. What she hates is the change because suddenly mm. there's there's realistic expectations being put on her and mm. before there were none. Um, and she said, they're not realistic. They're too hard. The work's too hard. She can't do it. She doesn't want to come to school. She hates her teacher and she hates you. And I said, well, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. I said, what I'm going to say to you is come back in four weeks if she still hates us all. And if her work isn't brilliant compared to where it is now, I'll take you seriously. But I mm. say that for the the meantime, what I'd ask you to do is just say to, just 
just say to her, well, just work hard, darling, because I think you can do this work. I know it's much harder, but I think you'll be able to do it. Anyway, mm. fair play to the parent. Two weeks later, she came back. She said, I can't believe what my daughter's doing now. Yeah. And I can't believe how happy she is when the work's so hard. I said, <laughs> well, it was a very fair thing what you said before because she'd only just met me. She'd only just met, I'd employed some teachers, you know, she'd only just met her new teacher. So she couldn't trust us. She didn't know us. Things were changing very rapidly. Oh, change is frightening, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and so she, she didn't think that she could possibly achieve what we were expecting of her because she didn't know us. And once she's now she's had a few weeks in that teacher's class, she loves her teacher because her teacher's consistent every day. She just expects mm. great things. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't get cross. That's no, it. Celebrate she's success and get real self-esteem from it. And being pushed out of the comfort zone becomes enjoyable, doesn't it? So, well, it does, doesn't it? Because yeah. we all like it. Because then you look back and think, whoa, yeah, I really well. wasn't looking forward to that. But, mm. but look what I've done now. Yeah. And then you carry that with you, don't you? What you said earlier about resilience, mm. you carry that with you. All those doubts, all those questions, all those thoughts where you thought, I'm not sure I can do this, but I'm going to have a go. Yeah. And then, and then you do it, not perfectly, but you do it certainly good enough. Mm. And then you hold that next time you're faced with something and you think, I don't know, and you thought, well, I did it last time. Yeah, and that applies to everyone, all your SEND children, they need to... You know, they can achieve exceptionally well. Um, they need to be taught as in the class all the time with the rest of the class, working mm. towards the same objectives, taught by the teachers, not not parked in an intervention group with the least qualified person in the room. And there needs to be the same expectation on them that they can also do it. Um, might have to be smaller steps, might be supporting, might be clever questioning, might be different ways in, but they can, they really can do it. Um, so their lesson is the same as everybody else's skillfully planned or adapted so they can still achieve um that's really really important i think and um you know they they can actually develop the most incredible attitude to learning and learning behavior the same alongside everybody else um and it's actually getting the staff on board to believe that um i think the other main thing is sort of thinking of highly effective learning for the children i think it's it's through your curriculum and that that is absolutely key as well and that's uh, i mean that is the central plank of austin now and I, not something i disagree with actually i think it's um oh no hallelujah and about time yeah because it's about all the subjects they all form an integral part of the child's learning if they if they don't actually ever do anything interesting or have any breadth of knowledge they've got nothing to write about or compute anyway so uh um and not everybody's going to be an author or a statistician are they so you can have singers dancers artists um uh, construction workers, uh, scientists, um, and it's it's really, really important. I think we've spent most time probably developing our curriculum in knowing, firstly, knowing the real context of our school, some building blocks, um, in knowing exactly what sort of our intake is, what, you know, sort of average amount of disadvantages, SEND children, um, and knowing about our local area, but also thinking of specific interests uh issues and barriers from the word go like relatively low speech and language uh, levels um so we have to make sure that at every single step of the way you've got an excellent debate discussion uh language opportunities to discuss emotions feelings um, express yourself good vocabulary but also understanding there's quite an angry world out there of sort of polar mm -hmm. 
polar sort of uh, opinions and lots of nasty social media about of people. So our debate into skills, for, uh, um, debates into skills, skills form the um, sort of third part of that foundation at the bottom in teaching children how to debate, discuss, listen, process uh, information, and then build from that your entire curriculum, what's important for school values, for SMSC and British values, what were the actual underpinning uh, important um, aspects of your curriculum. Then on top of that, build the, the specific um, topics of study with progressive skills and learning, but it's got to be sort of carefully put together and knowing all the children. Um, that takes time, doesn't it? Yeah, always taking years and it's never finished. And it's always, uh, I mean, one main thing is, it's almost with SMSC and PSHE. Well, a lot of it's done through the uh, carefully selected uh, texts that we have in the English text, for example. We might have uh, Journey to Joburg in year five, the issues of prejudice, um, learning all about favelas in Rio in year four, learning about poverty um, and comparing it with their own lives, um, or in the blue striped pajamas, potentially a tricky text for year six, but books about, again, to uh, very parallel lives of two uh, different boys with um, from very different backgrounds, but very lots of similarities in terms of prejudice. Um, in terms of um, you know, really quite tricky big issues that all young children can deal with, and they can. Yeah, they can deal with them, can't they? Yeah. If the teacher is skilled and yeah. and teases out the nuances mm. for for the children in the class, and mm. then makes that. You've already said this, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important that direct link with their own lives. Yes, yeah, relevance. So, yeah. yeah, so so where does this sort of thing happen? In Chelmsford, in Beehive Lane Primary School, mm. like you said, you know, with the boy in the striped pyjamas. And I think that's so important that we make that link, that it doesn't matter who you are, the forces in society will mm. impact you in similar ways. Yeah. And and I I was in a school in North Essex last week and I turned up at the gate and, and parents couldn't get in the gate. You know, it was one of the buzzer entries just to get on the school grounds. And uh, there was there was two parents, two lady parents, absolutely savaging each other mm. by the gate. You know, you f in <laughs> this, you f in that. I'm going to get my brother on you. I'm going to do this. You're going to effing regret that mm. and all that sort of thing. I pressed the buzzer, you know, I said, hello, it's Jeremy here. Come to watch some teaching. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, oh, yes, do come. And the wrestling. <laughs> and I said to one of the one of the mothers, I said, would you like to come in as well? Because I thought, you know, that old head teachery thing where you used to step mm. in between uh, fractious parents yeah. and, and people who might want to uh, have a bit of a set to and I uh, <laughs> and so I invited her and she came in the other one too I said but maybe if just one of you comes in that'll be better so yeah. uh, and, and then I went in the classroom to watch the teaching and it was a reception class just what you've been saying about you know picking up on the speaking and listening and oh the children's speech was so impoverished they absolutely had no ability, really, to construct language in sentences. Not, not a thing, almost. And I, I said to the teacher who I was working with, and I said, you, you know what the priority is for these children, don't you? And she said, yeah, I've got to get them talking. 
and talking coherently. And she'd done a lovely, lovely lesson with melting ice and that sort of thing. This was a reception class. And, oh, rich, rich opportunities for the children to talk. Yeah. And, and she was modelling language for them to use, you know, my turn, your turn type mm. thing. So rich. And I thought, well, look at the context you're in here. This is quite a deprived part of Essex. And and there's some troubled families here, seriously troubled, who believe you sort out things by punching someone on the nose. And we have to offer a contrast in school, don't we, for those children and, and let them see that we can resolve problems and difficulties and all sorts of things like that. And we can do that most effectively if we can speak fluently. And, yeah. uh, and, and if you haven't got that, it's almost impossible, isn't it, to, to get really high standards of achievement if children aren't fluent speakers, which I know you you emphasise so strongly at Beehive Lane. Well, even more extreme, if you look at the um, prison prisoner statistics, they're in the extraordinarily low levels of being able to express emotions, debate, discuss, very low levels of speech and language and reading ability, um, it's, it's absolutely rife. So it, it just shows that it leads to aggression, which is why one of the building blocks has got to be having a thread of language, vocabulary, and speech to, uh, speaking and listening development all the way through the school. Um, so it's interwoven and incorporated in everything they do in early years, um, right through to uh, development of talk partners, um, development of um, uh, presentations, um, and but just facilitating that all the way um, maybe with uh, stem sentences, getting children to answer and ask questions in uh, full sentences all the time, speak clearly, um, because it may actually be the only place that they actually hear high quality language vocabulary, um, mm. speaking and listening um, skills as well. Um, and you, you may not be able to change all of that, but you can certainly make a big, an enormous difference during their school day. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's what you said, isn't it? We're not trying to change. We're trying to build no. on wherever you are, we're going to take you forwards. Yeah, we can't and solve it, all the problems of society. We no. can help and, but, and, and don't think we can either. We're not, we're not in charge of everybody's home and everybody's background. A lot of stuff happens and, um, you know, we, we keep, yes, we've got to keep the children safe and we've got to interject exactly where we can. But the biggest difference we can make for their future is to make them fantastic uh, debaters, discussers, communicators, uh, learners with amazing skills and knowledge that's the, that's that's the core purpose and that's the most crucial thing we can do um maybe even that will change their circumstances in life which will make it different to their original family but um that, that's the best chance they've got so we have to focus all our time on that hey paul that's a fantastic summary <laughs> and, and i i think that's a fantastic place to stop i love talking to you I don't know, rambling on. <laughs> yeah, but it's not rambling, is it? Because what it is, is a really coherent set of ideas and and you're just speaking them, you know, and, and anyone listening to this will see the merit in everything you've said and will we'll come to understand, actually, just how complex it is. This is really complex, folks. So all you new teachers out there who are going to be head teachers one day, and, uh, and we hope you are, it's not an easy job trying to craft a school into a very cohesive place where children all learn effectively. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's immensely difficult. And you've, 
made some of those key aspects a bit easier for us today. But crikey, it's difficult. Yeah, just relentless focus on clear learning, what exactly we're trying to learn and have high expectations of everybody because they'll always always amaze you. They They really will. They always will. And and that's a quote there from Paul Sully. I normally end these podcasts with a quote, but you've given us a perfect one. So we'll leave it there today, Paul. But thank you so much for finding the time. I know you've had a torrid term, what with inspections and and moderators. Oh, that's all right. No, this is a pleasure actually talk about children and learning things that are that matter. <laughs> yeah. And that is that precisely it, isn't it? That's that's what really matters. The children matter. So what now, listeners? What's the one small thing you'll do tomorrow that will make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils? Remember, one small step at a time is the way to continual improvement. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. I'll keep you updated on the next podcast on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another absolutely fascinating and educational chat but until then i'm jeremy crook and this has been the latest podcast from what i wish i knew was an nqt slash ect